who won and lost the trade deadline. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app, use promo code LOCKEDON for a $100 match on your first deposit. So, MLB trade deadline has come and gone. We saw a flurry of moves coming through, and it feels every single year we forget that the deadline is actually six, but then you're going to see transactions reported after that because that's the cutoff for them to get to the MLB office, not to be publicly announced. But really easy to look back and say there were some teams that won and some teams that lost the trade deadline. I think one team that you have to argue that they won the deadline is the Texas Rangers. Uh, yes, they moved a lot of different players to get what they got. But look at what they got. They got right-hand pitcher Max Scherzer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, eight-time All-Star, future Hall of Famer, okay? They're getting him. They were given $35 million to help pay for him. So they are getting two seasons, a season and a third or a fourth of Max Scherzer. Now, what they gave up Luis Angel Acuna. Something where 315, 42 stolen bases, he's immediately a top three prospect in this New York system. But it works for both teams, right? It helps both teams. It helps the Mets, who have said they're shooting to contend in 25 or 26. And it helps the Rangers in 2023, provided he has, Scherzer has enough gas left in the tank to be starting one of their first two playoff games, right? But then to go along with that, It was not only Max Scherzer. The Rangers also go out and they get left-hand pitcher Jordan Montgomery, right-hand pitcher Chris Stratton, and international bonus pool money from the St. Louis Cardinals. They gave up some stuff that not necessarily hurts, but they gave up some interesting prospects. Left-hand pitcher John King, right-hand pitcher Takoa Roby, infielder Thomas Segesi. Segesi was pretty much blocked uh, at the major league level by the entire infield. Uh, but something where he was, he, 98 games in double A between this year and last year, he was batting like 317. Legitimate top five prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals right now to go along with Mason Wynn, who St. Louis said you could see as soon as this year since they traded Paul DeYoung to the Blue Jays. But you look at, okay, Jordan Montgomery, He's been, I, th- I think his ERA plus was like 126. So he's been better than average. He is a perfectly good 3-4 starter. Nathan Eovaldi's back. Or when he's back from that forearm strain, you don't need Jordan Montgomery to probably start anything sooner than a game four in the postseason for it. But he's a very good starter to get you through the back part of the season, get you to the postseason. Uh, Chris Stratton is... Above average reliever, 
tons of spin. You got him for a spare left-hand reliever and two prospects that you did not have to lose. That was the big thing here, right? You kept Evan Carter. You kept a lot of these arms that you've been working on, whether it was lighter. Not saying people would have wanted Rocker right now, but you kept Kumar Rocker. You didn't have to even have a conversation about Wyatt Langford. So you've got two high-ceiling outfield prospects to go along with an infield that's already set and at least one more season of Max Scherzer to go along with Nathan Eovaldi and all of these other pieces in the minors. So you are a winner if you were the Texas Rangers. A loser at the trade deadline, and this is going to be controversial, the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles make a trade to get Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. They give up infielder Cesar Prieto. They give up left-hand pitcher Drew Rahm. And they give up Zach Showalter, a 19-year-old right-handed pitcher. Highest potential of those three, farthest from the big leagues. They give up. Uh, Rom was in the mid-teens as far as a prospect. Prieto, Cesar Prieto was limited defensively, very good hit tool. Question about the power and the speed. I think he was one of the more expendable middle infield options you had. That's not my issue with this. My issue with the Baltimore Orioles, and Mark Elias specifically, is you watched Tampa Bay get better, right? You saw Tampa Bay go out and get Aaron Savali. You watched the Blue Jays get better, not as much, but the Blue Jays get better. The Yankees and Red Sox do not matter in that division. The Orioles have built up this fantastic farm system, right? This is the best farm system in baseball, and that's not controversial to say. This is the most loaded and stacked farm system in baseball. You have prospects on prospects on prospects in AAA Norfolk right now. You also, as of time of recording, have the best record in the American League. I don't know what the time frame that Mark Elias was expecting the Baltimore Orioles to be a contender, a legitimate contender. I don't know what that time frame was. All indications are that they did not think they would be contending this early, right? That's why they didn't buy at the deadline. That last year, that's why they went out and get one pitcher and Jack Flaherty. They get a reliever in Shintaro Fujinami, and that's about it. Uh, for last year. But you're in first place in the East and you have the best record in the American League. This was not the time to hug your prospects. When you look at this rotation, Kyle Gibson, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, none of these guys Am I scared to face in game one of the playoffs? And to only come out of the deadline with Shintaro Fujinami and Jack Flaherty is a little bit of malpractice on Mark Elias' part. If this was not the year that you were going to go in and make a move, then what year was it? What was going to be different from now to next year that would make you think we're going to have a better chance at making the postseason next year 
because we're going to have, what, a better record? You have the best record in the American League. You're going to have pitchers with more innings under their belt. I don't, it's a missed opportunity. I understand Mark Elias has been burned before. And it's, part of this is mindset for Mark Elias, right? This is not the time to think, oh yeah, yeah, we're a young team that is ahead of schedule. This is the time to think, we are one of the best teams in baseball. We have a fantastic lockdown bullpen. We have a very deep farm system with a lot of hitters that can contribute at the major league level. We have more hitters than spots. And the fact that there were guys available like a Jordan Montgomery, like a Lucas Giolito, like a Max Scherzer, Eduardo Rodriguez, after he vetoed the trade to the Dodgers, did not end up going anywhere else. It feels like the Orioles missed an opportunity to submit not only, they're probably going to make the postseason, but it feels like they missed an opportunity to submit a deep postseason run. You could have moved more prospects for better players. And I'm not saying trade Jackson Holiday, but you could have traded a Joey Ortiz. You could have traded a Kyle Stowers. You could have had a discussion about a Connor, Connor Norby or a Kobe Mayo or a Heston Kierstad. You should have been able to come out of this with at least two starters and the best one being better than Jack Flaherty. And if the Orioles get knocked out of the postseason in the first round, this is going to be right here where you're going to look back and you're going to say, that's where they did it wrong. They blew it. Mark Elias blew it because he didn't go for it at the deadline. In just a minute, uh, the Mets made a lot of transactions and the Yankees don't. And we'll talk about it next on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. If you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper. You can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Look at what's going on. Today on Wednesday is game three of the Angels and the Braves series. So it's Shohei Otani in Atlanta. Do you think Shohei Otani can hit a home run? You know, if I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to go deep in game three because they've held him in check in games one and two. So you can swing for the fences with up to 100 time payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like, select more or less, on the stat categories, home runs, strikeouts, hits, whatever it might be, you get your picks right and you can win big. Use promo code locked on and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Now, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. They are currently operational in over 30 states, so check out Sleeper today. Okay, looking at the MLB trade deadline and the teams that won and the teams that lost here. At the deadline, we have to talk about what the New York Mets did, right? The New York Mets move a ton of talent out of this system, okay? Justin Verlander, gone. Max Scherzer, gone. David Robertson, gone. And then they go and they keep on going. They trade outfielder Tommy Pham. They trade outfielder Mark Canna. They trade some more relievers. And there's a lot of money being spent by Steve Cohen. He is paying down a lot of these contracts 
so that he could get better prospects in return. And so you have to credit Billy Epler and Steve Cohen on being able to acknowledge, hey, what we did last year, throw in 40 plus million dollars at two pitchers and Max Scherzer, and I understand he signed in after 22, it's fine. He's signing Scherzer and then signing Verlander. What we didn't necessarily work, okay? What we're going to do, that money is already committed. That money is already spent. What we are going to do is we are going to pay down those contracts so that we can get better prospects. And look at what they brought in. For like for Scherzer, they get Luis Angel Acuna, okay, who is going to be one of their top five prospects, looks to be the future second baseman for the Mets. For Justin Verlander, they get Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Drew Gilbert, spark plug center fielder out of Tennessee. Shorter guy, tons of power. I'm sorry, tons of speed, great contact ability, tons of defense, uh, emotional heart of your team, right? Uh, Ryan Clifford is listed as an outfielder slash first baseman. He's going to end up as a first baseman. He's a big boy, but uh, the type of player that is going to be able to impact your team in a couple years. And then they go and they do some very high ceiling grabs, guys like a Marco Vargas from the Marlins. Uh, They get infielder Jeremy Rodriguez from the Diamondbacks, 17 years old, a shortstop, international free agent, Arizona's biggest at IFA from last year. And yes, they spent a bunch of money, but they acquired a lot of talent. And legitimately, they may have added four top 100 prospects in this deal between Gilbert, Clifford, Acuna, and Vargas. And what this is, we are like, they acknowledge 23 is out. They acknowledge 24 is probably out. Verlander had a contract through 24. They took offers. They had discussions on other guys like Pete Alonzo, who were only signed through 24. But what they did was they restocked the system. And in Epler's words, they reprioritized the investments of Steve Cohen. But in reality, what they did is they properly assessed the position of the team. And they made the decision to go ahead and sell while they could and maximized the return on what they got. I mean, think about the fact that they traded Max Scherzer to the Rangers and then turned around the next day and sent the other ace, Justin Verlander, to Texas's rival in the division. And they got arguably a better return there, partly because extra contractual control, but partly also because now Houston had to respond to keep up with Texas. And the thing here that we're not, that people aren't necessarily talking about is the Mets have to be bad this year. The Mets have to lose. The reason the Mets have to lose is because they have absolutely blown through any sort of uh, luxury tax ceilings that there are. And so because of that, their first round pick gets moved back at least 10 spots. Unless. They are one of the six worst teams in baseball, and they are in the draft. Lottery picks do not get moved back 10 spots if you exceed the competitive balance tax. So right now, the Mets are 50 and 55. They're six games out of the wild card. They are 17 and a half games back in the division, which is absurd to even think about. The Colorado Rockies 
are only 18 games back in the NL West. The Mets are 17 and a half back in the East. But if they can get themselves into the bottom six records in baseball, they are guaranteed a high pick in the draft, which Steve Cohen is on the record as liking those high picks because of the talent that's available there. And it's a chance for him to use his money. So watch for the Yankees to be bad. Watch for the Mets to be bad. The Yankees are a team that messed up at this trade deadline. They made one transaction. That transaction was made literally, I guess technically it was two, but at the very last minute, they went and got Keenan Middleton from the White Sox, a 29-year-old relief pitcher. This is his fifth team since 2020. He'll be a free agent this season, but they got him. And then they made another small deal and the for another reliever. The issue here is... The Yankees aren't good. The Yankees' offense is not good. And the only time the Yankees' offense has been good has been when Aaron Judge is healthy and is in the lineup and the other players are hitting around him. They haven't shown a pulse since May. They got Spencer Howard from the Rangers, who has an ERA over 10, And then they got the rental reliever from the White Sox in Kingdom Middleton. It does not move the needle to make you better. They didn't buy. Really, they didn't buy. Or they didn't sell. The worst thing you can do with the trade deadline is nothing. You have to either commit to improve your roster, like actually improve your roster. Or you have to commit to get rid of some of your expiring contracts for future assets. The Mets made the decision to sell. The Yankees didn't make a decision at all. And next season, and in 2025, the Mets will probably be better than the Yankees because of it. In just a minute, let's get to uh, the last winners and losers here, including the Astros, who won by reuniting with an old friend. We'll do that next right here. Unlocked on MLB Prospects. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. We're going over the trade deadline, winners and losers. And the Houston Astros, it's hard not to call them winners of the trade deadline. Now, not everything matters as far... Like, they didn't make a ton of moves, right? They sent out Ryan Clifford... Uh, they got Justin Verlander, but Justin Verlander is the most impactful move of the deadline for me. This morning, coinciding with this episode, we're dropping a list of the 10 most impactful trade deadline deals, and I have Justin Verlander to the Astros as number one because if his option vests for 2025, which I believe it takes 140 innings or so to do that, then the money being included by the Mets means that the Astros will be paying like $39 million for two plus seasons of Justin Verlander. The same Justin Verlander who won a Cy Young last year. The same Justin Verlander who after his first couple starts has looked more like the the Justin Verlander that we know. And so the big thing here is you get Justin Verlander back on top of that rotation. A rotation that 
you look to be good without him because you were bringing up Hunter Brown, but then you were absolutely decimated with injuries, right? Think about this rotation. You had Jose Urquidy. You had Luis Garcia. You had Lance McCullers. You lost all those guys. But now your rotation can be Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, JP France. That's not a bad one through five. And then offensively, you've gotten Jordan Alvarez back. You've got Jose Altuve back. We don't know about Michael Brantley, but you've got everybody else back. This looks a lot more like the Astros team that we knew. Jose Abreu, free agent signing to play first base, remembered how to hit again. Alex Bregman is still at third base. And so this is now closer to the Astros team that we thought it was both offensively and pitching staff. And the big thing here is, yes, you gave up a promising future piece in Drew Gilbert. Yes, you gave up Ryan Clifford, who, again, it's probably going to be a first baseman, not a corner outfielder. But you have multiple years of control of Justin Verlander. And more importantly, you positioned yourself to be able to keep up with the Texas Rangers who are trying to do this as this construction of the team really for the first time. You're only half a game back going into Tuesday night's games. Uh, you have not scored as many runs as them. You have allowed less runs than them. Altuve coming back, uh, Jordan coming back, helps your offense. You've gotten your pitching staff to be even better. And so now you are primed, even if you don't win the division, like as of right now, you're leading the wild card. So either way, you've positioned yourself to get into the postseason, and that is what matters. And so because of that, because you did not have to sell the farm for a significant upgrade at starting pitcher, the Astros might be back. The Astros might be coming back. And I'm really excited to watch what the AL West does down the stretch. You've got two teams that have both loaded up at the deadline in the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, and it's going to be very interesting to watch what, what they do. Uh, teams that... The, the third team that lost the trade deadline, this one's really tough because there's a lot of teams that just kind of reshuffled some deck chairs and didn't do a lot. The Red Sox go out and get Luis Urias from the Brewers. Not a bad choice. They needed somebody who could play shortstop. Offensively, he's having a dreadful year. They didn't do much else outside of that. The Blue Jays go out and get Paul DeYoung. They didn't do a ton outside of that. The Phillies got Michael Lorenzen. I like what they did there. They still didn't go out and get that hitter for left field. And so there's a couple different teams you can talk about here. But probably an unpopular take. I'm going to say one of the losers here is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's because they, what did they come out of the deadline with? Okay, they came out, if you remember, on the 28th, they got Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. Okay, so they got another starter because if you remember, they've lost injuries to Clayton Kershaw, injuries to Noah Syndergaard, who they traded, injuries to Walker Buehler, injuries to Dustin May, injuries to Ryan Pepio. So they go out, they get Lance Lynn. He waived his no trade clause. 
He has looked better recently. At the very least, he's going to be able to eat innings for this team because they have a lot of rookies in this rotation. The rotation for the Dodgers as of right now is Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias, Lance Lynn, and then a bunch of rookies. Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Michael Grove, like a bunch of young guys. So I like that they went out and got an established veteran starter, right? They also got Ryan Yarborough from the Royals on the deadline day. It's fine. He's been fine this year. He'll be an addition to your bullpen. You don't need him for high leverage. You've got other options. Not a big deal. They tried to get Eduardo Rodriguez, and he vetoed the trade. And it's hard to think about Dylan Cease not moving. It's hard to think about all of the guys that were out there that were available that didn't get traded when they were sitting there just like the Orioles were sitting there and the Dodgers had one of the best farm systems in baseball and they didn't make the moves they had to make. They have, you can, I mean, you could take this 40-man roster as, okay, do they want outfielders with power? Great, we'll give them Andy Pajes. I know he's injured right now, but we'll give him Andy Pajes. Michael Bush, we talked about this in yesterday's show. Michael Bush is one of two players in AAA that's over 80th percentile, I believe it was in barrel rate and zone contact. He's destroyed in AAA. You mean to tell me somebody wasn't going to take Michael Bush to play second base for them? Uh, they have arms. Landon Neck, Gavin Stone, Nick Frasso. They had plenty of other guys to go out there and make a bigger splash than just Lance Lynn. And the fact that it came down to we have what, 20 minutes left before the deadline and we find out Eduardo Rodriguez has voided the trade because he's exercised his no-trade clause. They didn't have a backup plan. They didn't have a plan C and D. The Los Angeles Dodgers couldn't convince a guy to come play for them. Really? And this right here also feels like a missed opportunity. Okay? This feels like a chance they had to be better. This feels like they had a chance to improve, to say, hey, Arizona, I know you guys went out and got Tommy Pham. I know you guys went out and got Jace Peterson to play third base since Evan Longoria's hurt. I know you guys went out and got a reliever. We are here to show you that we, in fact, are going to win the National League West. You are two and a half games up on San Francisco. You're three and a half games up on Arizona. You're eight and a half on San Diego. All the teams behind you got better. Now, not saying the Giants got a lot better, but all the teams behind you got better. And LA didn't. And they're just banking on the talent that we have. We will figure out the pitching on the fly. And it feels like a missed opportunity to go get a guy in a year where the NL Central was very weak, in a year where the National League East, for the most part, isn't that great outside of Atlanta and Philadelphia because I'm sorry, Miami is not a good team. Miami's 57 and 51. Miami has a terrible record against, they have a losing record against teams over 500. They are not a good team. They've played an easy schedule. To not see the postseason picture in the National League and say, we're going to go get another starter. We're going to get a, t- a frontline guy. We're going to get a Verlander. We're going to get a Scherzer. We're going to get, we're going we're gonna to go convince them to give us Dylan Cease. To not do that 
feels like you missed an opportunity. And again, we'll find out in the postseason if one if these rookies falter down the stretch, and we'll say that was the moment the Dodgers lost the World Series. Fantastic week this week. We're going to do more about the trade deadline, probably talking about the prospects that benefited the most from the trade deadline, whether they got moved or not. If you have ideas for the show, questions, things like that, tons of ways to get them to us. We have a backup for the mailbag. We are getting to that because we didn't get a lot of mailbag stuff in yesterday. In the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay. Pay.